Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the port, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do so. Go to the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Remember, we can always be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Okay, first session of the porch for 20. 20- 22. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Let us know where you listen to us from. Go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com, lowercase one word. So welcome to all of our listeners. We appreciate you, appreciate your support and encouragement. If you want to support what we do, Go to firefalltalkradio.com. There are ways to do that. Um, Here we are. Porch lights are up on the YouTube network. Another video was posted this week that also got shared on all of our social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us on those. If you see us, subscribe. That way you'll see it when it gets posted. And... uh, This is the part where we do praise reports and prayer requests. If you want to be a part of that, hang in there. Send us your praise reports and prayer requests. If not, go to to the shofar, the next shofar, and that will lead you directly into the Bible study. But getting back to the Firefall Network, there are two really good testimonies on there from Larry Barrett and Joe Citrone, fellow SRT members. I've lined up a couple other people that I'm going to be talking to, so you'll see more in the weeks to come. Well, we start our praise reports prayer request. I'm not going to stop doing that. I know some have asked, but you haven't asked me to stop. You just asked me why I could use up this time for Bible study, and yeah, I could, but that's not how I do things. I don't go into the presence of the Lord without praise. And I don't offer a prayer request until we've done that. So, of course, I praise him for my salvation. Each and every day I think about that. I think about what I'd be like right now if I had not made that decision on October 9th, 1988. I wouldn't be in this house. I wouldn't have the wife I have. I wouldn't have the family I have. I wouldn't have anything. And most of all, I would have lost my soul and I'd be spending Spending eternity, wow, I really, 
didn't uh, think that was going to hit me like that. Spending eternity in darkness. So I praise him for that. I praise him for loving me and giving back the family I threw away. My wife, my sons, now daughter-in-laws, a grandson, all the furry kids we have had. I am blessed. Praise him for sharing the word. We're going to be talking about the word tonight, so hang in there with me. I don't get too emotional. I was, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I've been pretty cool all day and just sitting here talking about it. The sound of the shofar always stirs me up. But I am thankful that we have that word. We have his Holy Spirit. We have divine protection. We have dreams and visions talked about in Joel 2.28. That's why, and boy, I'm completely off track here, but let me just drop this and I'm going to touch on this in the weeks to come. Do you know why I don't listen to any other prophets or prophecy? Because I have access to the throne room through the Holy Spirit. I have access to the Lord that I've been walking with for 33 years. If I need to know something, he can tell me. You have access to the same Holy Spirit. You have access to the throne room. Stop chasing after these people. Praise him for his healing virtues and divine health. For the abiding divine favor that he bestows upon us. For, like I just said, the continuing revelation of the Holy Spirit. For being a new creation, living in these prophetic times, watching the signs of the times, understanding what is happening. Which means I have to pray and have to pray first for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for America. For God's grace and guidance to come back upon us. I'm not expecting things to get much better in 2022 regardless of what the ear ticklers are telling you. It doesn't line up with the Word. It doesn't line up with the Lord saying. If you're expecting judgment, expect it first at the house of the Lord. That's how it works. So I'm praying for America. I'm praying for all of us to walk the walk we talk. Praying for all the people around the world being victimized by their corrupt leadership. For the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, and those that are victims of injustice. Every day the hospitals are filling up. Every day the divorce lawyer courts of uh, rooms are filling up. And I'm not going to go into anything about divorce. Sometimes there is a real reason for it. But the fact is, no matter the reason, it hurts people. So pray for them. Pray for those that are being hurt. Pray for those that are being victimized, marginalized, forgotten, rejected. I pray for the sl- against the slaughter of the innocents. I pray against those that do it. Sex trafficking, human trafficking, all of the ugly, diabolical, demonic activity that this world allows. And I know that we are not going to see the justice we desire. Until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords returns. But as the church, as the empowered church, we can push back. Praying for our brothers and sisters, Jew and believers around the world who are being persecuted. It's going on whether the news 
tells you about it or not. The growing anti-Semitism, the activities of the spirit of the Antichrist, which has been here since the church began, but I believe it's increasing as it believes its time of unveiling is coming. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing in each and every one of us, that we would get back to our divine design, the way he designed us to be, so that we can serve him without restriction or hindrances, which also means financial hindrances. I know that manna no longer falls from heaven. So we need to support one another. We need to support other ministries, which Firefall does, one in particular out in Hollywood. A brother of mine that I've known for 30 years has a ministry out there, boots on the ground, no big support. He and his wife do it. His firefall's been supporting him. I'm praying for inspiration to do the things that we've been called to do, to be inspired for the doors to open. We're going to finish that documentary one way or another, but I believe we're going to finish it properly. I believe 2022 is the time for SRT to get back out on the front lines, but to also train others to do the same which is why I've been on social media and I've been posting things and I've been posting memes and things like that. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. And of course, we pray for all of our lost family members. Pray for each member of the community. If you are a part of the community, you know who you are and who they are. If you're a part of the Facebook porch community, a private community, you know who you are. If you need to know who to pray for, write to me and I will tell you. Nick in Dallas hasn't written it in a while, but if you remember back in August, he asked us to pray for his sister who went in for surgery. He said, update on my sister. She's been released from light duty at work and is back to as close to normal as possible, maybe better than normal, without the mass screwing up her system. They took a mass out of her body. She and all the family are deeply grateful to you in the porch community for all of the prayers. This is what it's about. People knowing that someone's praying for them, especially those that are not a part of a local church. Kate in Wisconsin, who's back in the community, and we are so glad she is. Her praise report, she says, Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. The older I get, which is not that old, the older I get, the more I realize how truly undeserving I am and how great his mercy, grace, and love for me is. Praise God for his provision, food, shelter, warmth, employment, and health. Praise God for my sweet son and cats. Her prayer request is for salvation for her parents and siblings, for the refinancing of her house to go through without complication, for his guidance as she navigates the ending of her marriage, for her son to continue to grow in his love of the Lord and for comfort for him during the divorce. I need somebody that's ever been through this before. To target Kate and her son as they go through this. And she says for the porch community. Kim and Fort Mitchell just has a unspoken prayer request. So Father, we come together. You said whatever two or more ask of you shall be done. Wherever two or more of us gather, and we are gathering. My wife's here in the same house. Some of you are together, but we're all online together. So we're touching and we're agreeing. 
that everything we've asked of you so far and everything that each person's offering to you privately is being done. If it's in accordance with your will and your word, it's done. That's what your word says. So we love you, not just for that. No, 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 no. We love you because you first loved us. We love you because you made us in our image. We love you because of how awesome you are. You're our Abba, a Papa, a Daddy. And for those of us that have come out of broken families, it's so important to know that we have a Father. So we thank you for that. We thank you for Yeshua and what he's done for us and what he's doing every day. Lord, we love you beyond any words that I can say right now for doing what you did that day on Calvary, for enduring the scourging and the beating and everything they did until every drop of blood came out of your body. But we are oh so glad that that tomb is empty. You were risen from the dead and you sit at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power. And we sit with you in the heavenly places. Thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit to guide us and to teach us and to walk with us and to share with us not only what you've said, but what you're thinking. To continue to give us revelation and help us to walk out these last days until we can see you face to face. As I've always said, Lord, I feel bad for the person that, that is behind me in line. Because once I wrap my arms around your neck, I'm not let go. So touch us tonight. Let us hear your voice. Let us hear your words. Holy Spirit, have your way. Protect the technology. Protect us and bless us. If you agree with me, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Well, I'm sorry about that. I didn't really mean to get that emotional, but it just kind of happened. Um, so tonight's going to be a little different. Tonight's Bible study has actually been inspired by some things that I've been posting on social media, primarily out of SRT's Instagram account and Facebook account. I've decided to become more active in 2022, and I've been sharing things, and I've been making memes that people can read, tried to do them on a daily basis. I've been making videos, doing some new porch lights, which is up on uh, YouTube. But I posted some images this week, and I wanted to explain them. And originally, it was going to be a short porch light video that as I started to work on it, 
I realized that it needed a much more in-depth discussion here on the porch. So, you can't see the memes if you're listening, but you'll see it in the video when it gets posted. The first one said, Quoting scripture out of context doesn't make you spiritual. It shows how biblically illiterate you are. Context and concept must go together. The second one said, The enemy is legalistic. It won't retreat from misquoted scripture. Even Satan can quote scripture out of context to suit his purposes. See his encounter with the Lord in the wilderness, which was in Matthew 4, 1 through 11 and Luke 4, 1 through 13. The Lord's response to every misquoted scripture was, it is written. So I want to give you a clear example about this, and we may stay on this for a little while, because I believe your authority, your power, your position in this world, yes, comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit, comes from the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit working together, but it comes from inside of you, and that word must be inside of you. But but I want to set this up. When the Bible was originally written, there were no such things as chapter, chapters and verses. Each book was re- written without any breaks from beginning to the end. Consequently, a number of important observations that need to be made from chapters in the Bible are lost when we divide it into Scripture. Chapters and verses were added for the sake of convenience. And if you want to memorize the Bible and become the human Bible, yeah, you can do that. That works. But there's no authoritative basis for doing what we do. And for a greater part of the early church, there were no chapters and verses. The Hebrew Old Testament was divided into verses by a Jewish rabbi by the name of Mordecai Nathan in 1448 A.D. Robert Estienne, who was also known as Robert Stephanus, was a French printer, and he was the first one to divide New Testament into numbered verses in 1555. And Stephanus used Nathan's verses from the Old Testament to do what he did. And since that time, beginning with the Geneva Bible, the chapter and verse divisions that Stephanus created have been accepted into nearly all Bible versions. The modern verse division of the New Testament, which he did, was in the First in the Greek New Testament, which is published in 1551, and then the you know the entire thing in 1555. That was the Latin Vulgate. The Geneva Bible, 1560, the first English Bible with chapter and verse, but that wasn't what the original writers intended. To find out what they intended, you need to read a book straight through from the beginning to the end. I believe that's the best way to figure out what the author is saying. By breaking it up into chapters and verses, it actually inspires you to only only read a little bit at a time. So I want to show you this by taking one scripture, James 4, 7. 
And here's how the scripture is quoted and how you'll see it on social media. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I see people post it all the time. As if, as a child of God, to resist the devil means he'll run away. Some even say he runs away in fear. That's a discussion for another day. But you know what the actual scripture says? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore means this statement, James 4, 7, is based on something that came before it. It's based on previous information. If you ever see the word, a bridge word, as I call them, it bridges two thoughts, like therefore, always look back to see what it's predicated upon, see what the foundational information is, and that's what we're going to do. If you haven't opened your Bible by now at the sound of the shofar, you're not paying attention. It should be open. You should be at James 4 right now. James 4, starting with verse 4. This is a thought that James is presenting to the church in Jerusalem. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Enmity is hatred. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The New King James likes to offer subheadings. It gives away the clue of what this is really all about. And the subheading in the New King James is, Humility Cures Worldliness. So this isn't about spiritual warfare. This is about dealing with the spiritual sickness of worldliness. So what is worldliness? Well, the English noun world derives from the Greek cosmos, used 186 times in the New Testament. In this case, James is referring to a worldly nature. Now, you've heard me touch on this before, and I think in 2022, every time I hone the, the teachings in a, a little more laser-like, a little more cutting, we lose people. I'm hoping that by now, if you're still with us after 11 years, then you're here because this is what you want. You're here because you know that there's something more than what you're being taught. You know that there's something more than the pablum being given from the pulpits and the YouTube videos in America and in the world today. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel good about yourself. I want you to be edified, but I want you to be prepared. I don't want you to be victimized, not by the enemy or the world. 1 John 2.16, Amplified, says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, 
assurance in one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. Don't you think Satan would love to have you dependent upon yourself instead of God? Don't you think he would love for you to be dependent upon a bank or somebody else rather than trusting in God to do for you what the world can never do? Worldliness is in its adjective form, kosmikos, is only found twice in the Greek New Testament. It's translated worldly both times. In the American Standard Version, it's rendered both worldly and of this world. So Paul declares, as James is doing in chapter 4, but in the following scripture, Paul declares that the Believer's way of life is denying ungodliness, denying worldly lust, and instead living righteously and godly in this present age, which you can only do through the help of the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 2, starting verse 16. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness." You know, I've been saved for 33-plus years now. I've been teaching for about 31 of those years. Started out small, small classes, then Bible studies, and so on. And along the way, I continue to learn. Holy Spirit's good like that. The Word is good like that. And I've heard a lot of useless Vain, idle talk come from pulpits, churches, classrooms, conference rooms, things that have no eternal value that we have filled our mind with because it was interesting or we thought it had something to do with what the Lord wanted us to know. I understand Paul when he says at the end of his life, I know one thing and one thing only, Yeshua HaMashiach and him crucified. You you figure out what's important. Ungodliness is something that stands in conflict, of course, to what's godly. It's pretty basic. Put the word un in front of something and it's the opposite of what the word it's in front of. It's anti-God in nature. And I thought about it as I was putting in my notes, if it's anti-God, then it's anti-Christ, which means it comes from Hasatan and the fallen and the kingdom of darkness. Worldly, the word kosmikos in the Greek's lexicon means belonging to the world, relating to the universe, earthly, having the character of this present corrupt age. There it is right there for me. 
Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. When the Lord was talking to the disciples and said, the God of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me, it means it doesn't matter if he's coming. The ground I stand on isn't the ground he can stand on. He has no influence over me or in me. Salvation should bring a change in us from this world to the kingdom of God. And I know it's difficult. You go to work. You do things that distract you. You, Larry and I were talking about this the other day. To stay locked in which I've done in periods of times, is very difficult to do because you have responsibilities. And it takes you out of that. But you have to try your best to stay in it. Worldliness is humanistic. And it's evil. I'm just going to be blunt and honest. Secular humanism has seeped into the church to the point that people post stuff on on social media that they think is spiritual, and in some way it is because of the spirit behind it, but it's not godly, and it's not from heaven. Worldliness is humanistic and a sphere of evil that captivates the minds of those who have no interest in honoring God. Fleshly things over godly things. The fruit of the flesh winning out over the fruit of the spirit. The flesh person winning out over the spirit person. Worldliness is a result of the fallen human condition and therefore the fallen world. The corrupt world system as I call it. Being in the world and of the world. Rather than what we were called to be is being in the world but not of the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. You've heard me quote this scripture a lot over 11 years because the battle starts in your mind. Romans 8, verses 7 and 8. This is the Amplified. Because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So then, those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to Him. Why? Why can't they be acceptable to him? Because of worldliness, it's the opposite of his nature. All Satan has to do, and I don't mean him personally, I mean through his kingdom. All they have to do is just nudge you a little bit. That confrontation in the wilderness with the Lord. 
he took snippets of Scripture and quoted them out of context. The Lord did not discuss it, just simply said, it is written and quoted the Scripture properly. James uses Old Testament prophetic imagery when he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, and the Jews of that day, the Messianic believers, understood what he was referring to. Israel, at times, played the harlot with other gods. Jeremiah 3.6, The Lord also said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain, in every green tree, and there played the harlot. Hosea 3.1, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagan. They used to make raisin cakes in offerings, and the Jews would love to eat them. You may just say, wait a second, those are just raisin cakes. It's not about the cakes. It's about the intention behind them and who they were made for. You cannot dance with the devil. You cannot dance in his world and come out untainted. And expect that the Lord's going to approve of it. The Jerusalem church that James was speaking to was seeking friendship with the world. They were seeking what this relationship with the world could give them. Social acceptance, prestige, or even wealth. Is the church any different today? We want to be accepted. We want the prestige. We want the wealth. We want the parking spots and the best seats. What the heck is that all about? It's a divided loyalty. Divided loyalty towards God is like adultery with your spouse. Or do you think the scripture says in vain in James 4, 5, The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. He loves you. And he loves you with such a love and in an intimate way that when you seek that affection elsewhere, it's hurtful. The spirit that God has placed inside of us, the Holy Spirit, is filled with envy He longs jealously for your heart to be his. That's why you have that heart. That's why you have the Holy Spirit in you. I can't imagine the heartbreak for the Lord for for when he walked in the cool of the evening and said, Adam, where are you? For the first time in Adam's creation, they were no longer connected. Adam was under such extreme conviction, he was hiding. But nobody ever talks about God's heart. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. In today's society, that word friend has lost its meaning. In the old world, the world that this word was written in, it was a title for special and exclusive friendships. I was raised in such a way, I know I've shared this before, my mother raised me in such a way that there were certain people that were friends. Everybody else is an acquaintance. 
just somebody that you know. If I say somebody's my friend, then they're special to me. We live in a world, we live in a society that is opposed to our Heavenly Father. It is opposed to our Lord and to His kingdom. This world and everything about this world, everything guided by this fallen world system is earthly wisdom. It's not heavenly wisdom. They can put his name on anything they want to put his name on to, but it doesn't mean he's a part of it. If it's not from heaven, then it's evil. If it doesn't come from above, It inspires evil desires, fighting and killing. That's what James is trying to get across. Everywhere throughout the Bible, there are scriptural, but spiritual, contextual condemnations of the world. And that's why I talk about it as a world system, an ethical, humanistic, philosophical system. Creation that's been built like a tower of Babel in opposition to God and to His Word. Paul touches on that in 1 Corinthians 1, starting with verse 19. As the Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So, where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, and he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Where where is it? For when the world, with all of his earthly wisdom, no matter what's been said to it, failed to perceive and recognize and know God, By means of its own philosophy, God in his wisdom was pleased through the foolishness of the preaching of salvation procured by Messiah and to be had through him to save those who believed, who clung to it and trusted in it and relied upon him. It's foolishness to this world. That a man would die on the cross for their sins? Are you kidding me? That I've got to accept this Jewish carpenter to be saved? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what he said. Those are the rules. Human secular wisdom cannot know him or understand him. See, James saw that it was an epidemic of worldly living happening among the church. Remember, this isn't too long after Yeshua has been crucified and and risen up into heaven in the upper room and all that. This is a fresh church. And he saw that these people that he was living with, walking with, teaching and doing all the things, they were resorting to scheming, quarreling, and striving to obtain their own wishes to obtain positions, to get what they wanted. I call it today charismatic witchcraft. I've seen enough of that to last me a lifetime, and the no, it's not from heaven. But even without that, 
people that call themselves believers, they use worldly tactics and demonic schemes to get what they want. They didn't get what they want because the Lord didn't give it to them. And when they did ask, they asked incorrectly because it was based on selfishness and self-will. James 4, verses 2 through 5, Amplified. Now we're getting into the context. You are jealous and covet what others have. And your desires go unfulfilled, so you become murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger, and you're not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness that you seek, so you fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. Or... You do ask God for them, and yet fail to receive because you ask with the wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures. You're like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God? Or do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the Spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and he yearns for the Spirit to be welcome with a jealous love? Now four sevens being set up. He's established that God will tolerate no rivals. He'll have no other gods before him. No idolatry. He wants complete commitment from his children. Oh, yeah, he'll make heavy demands on you, but then he provides the grace and the spirit to meet those demands. And now the therefore. I read all you those things, to, all of those things to set you up for, and now therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7 is predicated on everything that came before it. But yet when I see these memes and I see people post stuff, or I see the preachers preaching, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will run. Folks, the devil's not going to run from you. Demons are not afraid of you. They're not terrified of you. They are terrified of the Lord, but they're not terrified of you. But James 4, 7 ties us back to Ephesians six eleven. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ties us back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now here's the context, the complete concept, the culmination of what James is trying to tell us, picking up with verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
come close to your Abba Father into a position of friendship and relationship. Be a, be a friend. Be a child. You know, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. James 2.23. David was a friend of God. Joshua made it halfway up the mountain and God didn't kill him. God's looking for relationship. He's not looking for judgment. He's not looking to smite you. Yeah, I had to use that word, smite. He's not looking to hit you with a lightning bolt from above or swallow you up with the earth. That's Old Testament stuff. The cross changed all that. No, he wants relationship. Friendship means intimacy and closeness. Psalm 91, verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A secret place for you and him to be close to one another under the shadow of his wings. Humility in us towards the Lord is the cure for the disease of worldliness. It's the protection from the God of this world seducing us. He offers you and I, as his children, a place of honor close to him, seated at his right hand, which means you're seated with Yeshua in the heavenly places. So taken out of context, you misunderstand what James was saying to the church and why he was saying it. You miss the fact that James was trying to get the church in Jerusalem, in which he was the head of. Paul was the head of the Gentile church. James was the head of the Jewish church. He was trying to get them to a place of repentance and humility because their relationship with the world was compromising their relationship with God. Are we any different today? Some people ask me, why do I have the walk that I have? They they call it, whatever this is, is an anointing. I call it my relationship. I call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead. I wake up in the morning thinking about him. I go to bed at night thinking about him. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about him. I think about him at the gym. I think about him when I'm working out. I think about him and more likely talking to him in my car and everywhere I go. My wife can tell you we'll be driving in the car and I'll just suddenly, prayer will pop out of my mouth. I'll be talking to the Lord out loud. My mind, my heart, my soul and my spirit are set on him. And I know I have responsibilities in this world. I don't say this uh, to be hurtful, but this world is an intrusion on my relationship with the Lord. And I long for the day that there are no more intrusions. Part of the reason why I pray for these blessings for Firefall and SRT is to do only what serves the kingdom. Oh, I'll, be, I'll have my family, and I'll have my Sabbath day with my family, and I'll do all those things with the people I call friends and loved ones. But everything in my existence is about him. He died for me. He bled for me. He allowed them to tear him apart and debase him 
for me. I could never pay that back. I could never give that much to him that he's given to me. So I'm going to give him all that I can. So verse 7, which we started out with, Therefore, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's telling us who the inspiration of the spiritual adultery is. He's telling us who the inspiration for worldliness is. He's telling us who's inspiring the church to do things the way of the world and that separates them from the righteousness and the holiness of God. Hasatan, and therefore the fallen, therefore the kingdom of darkness. And so what he's saying is, come near. Come near to God. Repent. Be brokenhearted in your conviction of dis- for disappointing him. I know what that feels like. I have felt it a number of times in my walk of realizing I had screwed up to a level of disappointing him. And it has broken my heart. The Bible speaks often about a contrite heart. Isaiah 6, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look. On this one I will look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard, he who is humble and of a broken or wounded spirit, who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. Psalm fifty-one, seventeen: The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. Sometimes we have to get to the place where we live Psalm fifty-one seventeen. We make mistakes. We do things that we thought were right turned out to be wrong. We have committed spiritual adultery with the world, and we have to get to the point that my sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin and humbly, thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. Always remember that His grace is still amazing. Contrition, which means repentance, regret, sorrow, shame, and remorse, is spoken of something that God likes. That's why it's always linked to verses of humility and brokenness and a healthy fear of God's Word. We should be living that way. We have a mediator. We shouldn't justify our wrong choices. We should fess up. Say we messed up. 
that contrite heart, it changes us. It teaches us. The brokenness that he puts back together, you won't break it again. So, we take James 4, 7 out of context. Oh, we're going to resist the devil and he will flee. Well, rebuking or resisting the devil or the kingdom of darkness has absolutely no power unless you have submitted to God first, unless your life is in order. So cleanse yourself spiritually. Purify your hearts from the things of this world that have seduced us with some deep-seated, gut-wrenching conviction. And once you have humbled yourself to him, because you compromised, he's going to lift you back up in the right relationship. I've always seen that visually of being on my knees before him, head bowed, and him reaching down with his hand, taking my hand, standing me back up. You see, he wants to do that. He wants you close to him. He wants you in right relationship with him. But if you're going to choose to be in this world, and you're going to choose to be compromised spiritually, he's going to let you have your way. He's going to let you have what you've chosen. And I'm going to tell you, you have no authority. And the powers of darkness will take full advantage of that. So stop seeking power before you seek him. Submission and humility closes that door to the enemy. It takes back all the ground that you've given them. And when you're next to the Lord, in right relationship with him, the enemy doesn't want to be anywhere near that. Then, and only then, will he flee. So that means he's not fleeing from you. He's fleeing from the one who lifted you up. He's fleeing from the one you're next to. It's not about who you are, but about who he is. And that's the context and concept of one scripture that gets taken out of context. That's the context and concept of what James is talking about, specifically in James 4, but really throughout the entire letter. So start reading entire books. Read it as one letter to the church. Father, I come to you now, and I pray that you'll undo all the false teaching, all the mistakes, all the error that we've subjected ourselves and done to ourselves. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would search and destroy through our mind, our heart, our spirit, everything that we've taken in that is not of you. Just burn it up, purge it, cleanse it. Bring in a fresh air of the Spirit. Bring in fresh Word. Let us read every day. Let us eat every day. Let us be filled with the Word. Let us live the life you wanted us to live, uncompromised and totally committed to you. And then... We will destroy the works of the enemy. We will set the captives free. 
will heal the sick, will raise the dead, and will bring the signs of the Messiah. And I pray all these things. I pray you do these things. I pray you're speaking these things right now to us. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Got some other scriptures I'm going to touch on over the next couple of weeks. Because I think it's really important that you begin to understand the word in a way that you never have before. I believe that in the coming days... It's what's going to help you get through what you're about to go through. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.